Memorial Day reminds me of what we went through, if you were here in 2015, in Wimberley and the surrounding area, the Memorial Day flood. And I will never forget how this church, how this body of Christ activated and helped neighbors and even those that were affected received help and then immediately went and served those that needed it most. That is how we are called to live as the body of Christ, this family of believers called Cypress Creek Church. We want to be a church that is for the city. It's funny, that uh, week after the, it's not funny, but the week after Memorial Day flood, I was asked to preach for the first time, and I was so nervous because it was such a momentous time. I didn't know what to say really, and then God made it so clear because all I did was talk about all the wonderful things that were going on. I just showed off what God was up to, and, and that stirred us up to continue to do that, and that is my hope this morning as we talk about being united on mission, that as I uh, talk about 1 Corinthians 15 and 16, that you feel stirred up to go outside of these walls, because this is what we do here. Last week, we talked about being united in harmony, and I see it as like in a circle that we're all, you know, uh, holding hands around maybe a campfire, if you have that mental image for a little bit, and we're all just singing and looking at inwardly in one another and saying, you got what it takes. Hey, you, I see you. You're, I'm just going to encourage you and speak life into you. That's what this gathering is like. We're called to gather and edify and build and encourage one another up. We do that in community groups as well. But have you ever been a part of a campfire kumbaya session that has gone just a little bit too long? And you're like, okay, but there's got to be more. Yes, these feelings, these goosebumps, like they wear off. And then you're like, now what? Well, that's because we're not called to just hold hands and inwardly focus in one another as a body of Christ. We're called to circle up here and then turn around together and go out there as we are united on mission because that world out there needs you and I. We're not called to just, although it's nice and, and we need to do it, but we are called to go on mission in the name of Jesus. I, I like to call it, we have a divine assignment. And here's what I mean by that. There is a reason why you live in the neighborhood that you live in. There is a reason why you were born in the country, in the city that you were born with. There's a reason why you have the job or you're at the school that you are currently in. There's a reason for why you have the friends that you do. It's all so that we can influence them for the gospel of Jesus Christ and glorify his name. And if you are not here, uh, if you're here and you have yet to say Jesus, uh, you have yet to say yes to Jesus Christ, I hope that you see what this life that we are called to live, not only as Christians, but as humans, as we activate and, and, and live the most satisfying life as we live on mission. So this message is all about being outward focused. And it actually has very little to do with me and most to do with y'all. What do I mean by that? This is not about the pastor or those that are equipped 
for ministry and have titles and things. No, this is for the lawyers and the doctors and the teachers and the students and whatever uh, business person or whatever you do in life. This is us being activated out there to reach those for Jesus. This is how Paul finishes these, uh, this letter to the church in Corinth. He's talking to this group in this city called Corinth, and we looked first week. Well, we looked at this verse, 1 Corinthians 1.10. This has kind of been our thesis for the entire series. I appeal to you, says Paul, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is that we need to be united in Jesus. So that's what we looked at first in the series. And then to live in harmony with each other. We looked at that last week, how to be united in harmony. Let there be no divisions in the church. We looked at a couple of issues that Paul is addressing in this letter to the first Corinthians. And we need to be united in conviction. And then at the end, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So today I really want to capitalize on this last word, Purpose, because our purpose is not just to come to church, to be here and get energized. Is it important? Absolutely. It's necessary. We need to be reminded of God's goodness. And when people see you, they get excited. Believe it or not, you heard it from me first, maybe, but it's true. When you show up, it energizes one another. We're also called to live out. That is our purpose. And here's why this world is crazy. This world is plagued with brokenness and, and trauma and evil. And, and bad things happen this side of heaven. Uh, my father-in-law's dad passed away last year, but we just got to celebrate his life a couple weeks ago. And he went, uh, we went to Fort Sam Houston. He was a colonel chaplain in the army. And so he had full military honors. It was incredible, a, a reverent time to honor Papa Rob's Dad, And in that time, my daughter, it was her first funeral that she went to. She was seven, Micah, my five-year-old, went as well. And I knew there were going to be questions, but I really didn't realize or want the questions to come like bedtime. And so it was time for them to go to sleep, but this is when the questions came. And so I was just attentive and listening. And one question led to another question, and that question led to another question. And then all of a sudden, her face just you know, went blank, and, and I saw fear in her eyes, and, and, and she had tears, and she said, I don't want to die, and I don't want you to die, and I loved seeing the process in her little brain. She's incredibly perceptive, and, and she came to the point where she realized that this world is finite, and I wanted more than anything to comfort her by either saying that that wasn't, you know, necessarily the case or that there's a way to avoid suffering in this life. But I just decided to allow her to sit in that place of fear just for a moment and then bring hope that, yeah, this world is finite, but we were created for eternity. And when we say yes to Jesus, we have hope. Our purpose is to bring hope Everyone on earth, yes, our families, yes, our neighbors, our colleagues, and our classmates, 
We are the ones that have this saving message of the gospel, and we need to bring it out to everyone out there. And so Paul, in verse in chapter 15, starts by talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go into it all. In fact, I'm just going to gloss right over chapter 15, and then we're going to close with chapter 16. And I encourage you to read it, though. Paul is telling them that in order to believe, or they did not believe, I'm sorry, they did not believe in the bodily resurrection. They only believed in Jesus's resurrection. So they did not believe that our bodies we're going to be resurrected when Jesus came, uh, comes back. And Paul is saying, no, you can't believe in Jesus's resurrection and not believe in our bodily resurrection, which, which brings us hope. But he says this at the beginning of chapter 15, which is my first point on how we are called to live united on mission. And that is that we need to share our resurrection story. So Paul says this in verse 1 of chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. What a beautiful picture. Paul is saying, I'm reminding you. In the past, he's addressed problems that they have brought up, but this is the first time that Paul is reminding them of something, and this is of great importance. So he's saying, verse two, by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So he's saying that if you believe in something else besides the gospel, if you start playing religion games and forget why Jesus came, then you have believed in vain. Verse three, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, and most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Paul is saying this is the most important part of everything that we talk about, that Jesus came. He died and he rose again. And this wasn't some new idea. It says, according to the scriptures, this was God's plan from Genesis 1, from the creations of the earth. God knew that Jesus was going to come, that we were going to be in these seats in this moment, listening to these words from his word. He is the providential God. And then he appeared to Cephas. He appeared to all these people. There were witnesses to this, the great resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we celebrate Easter at Cypress Creek Church, we don't just hear a great sermon, we hear real resurrection stories from this family of believers. This last Easter was incredible. We got to listen to Michelle and Bob's stories. If you were not here, I encourage you to look back on the website, check out their stories, amazing stories. But the reality is, that Easter is not celebrated one day of the year. Easter is celebrated every day of the year. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important event in human history. He goes on in verse 7 by telling us his story. So first point, share your resurrection story. Paul's about to share us, his with ours, with us. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. 
as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Yet then, whether then it is I or they, this is what we preached and this is what you believe. Paul is saying that he was abnormally born. I don't know if you find that strange. I did. I'm like, Paul, what are you talking about? In further reading, I realized that he's saying that his story is different. It's different than Peter's, Cephas. It's different than the other apostles. See, when they were worshiping Jesus, the resurrected Christ, when they were physically present with Jesus, Paul was persecuting that very Church, when they were starting the, the church in Acts, verse, in chapter 2, when that whole movement of the Holy Spirit was going on, Paul was against the church. He's saying that my story is different. Yet, Jesus appeared to him, and now he's on fire, living his divine assignments. And so he teaches us how to share our story. Here's the reality. Your story is not my story. Praise the Lord. His story is special. Your story is special. And as is mine, we all have individual stories. And the best way to share our stories is we talk about our life before we met Jesus. So for me, I grew up in the Catholic church. I grew up with the knowledge of God. In fact, I thought God was so holy that I was aware that he was disappointed with me every single day. So I had a very fear-based relationship with God growing up. I revered him, but I, I always felt distant to him. How you met God is the second part of your story. Well, different people in my life showed up, but it all kind of came together for me at Texas State University as a freshman in college when through soccer, some guy invited me to this thing called community group through this church. And it was divine appointment after divine appointment, too many coincidences to count where I realized there's gotta be more to this. And there was a fork in the road. I was either going to continue living for me in the way that I wanted to, or I was gonna surrender my life to Jesus Christ and follow after him. Thank God I had people in my life that created that support and I gave my life to Jesus. I'll never forget sitting at Crosstalk, which is our college ministry at Texas State, and uh, Pastor Grayson was talking on uh, sin and I felt so uh, weighted by my sin. I felt the guilt and I felt the shame. I felt like I had grown up all my life knowing that God was disappointed. And then he read that scripture that Patrick read, but God, rich in mercy and unfailing love, gave his life up for me, and I felt this washing of all of this guilt and this shame, and I realized that I have freedom, freedom because of what Christ has done for me. That was my point of justification when I gave my life to Jesus. And now this process of sanctification, which all it means is imperfectly following Jesus and becoming more like him. That's what we're all in. And my story is different than your story because our stories together create this beautiful puzzle that has different pieces. And what happens is that often it's the uh, dramatic stories or, or people that feel bold enough to share their stories that actually share their stories where a lot of the, and so a lot of the pieces are missing. Share your story. Because I know, I know 
that God's put someone in your life right now in this season of life, that when you share your story, imperfectly, maybe full of nerves, but when you share your story, they will say, hey, that's crazy, me too. And that's when you know that it's the Holy Spirit of God that is calling us to be united on mission. That's why we gotta be united. It's not just one person sharing the story, it's all of us. Romans 10, 14 says, how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to him? Another translation says, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them we have to preach, yes, with our lives and also with our stories. We also need to share because our world needs the hope of resurrection. <laughs> I was talking to my daughter, Ayla, and um, I was talking to her about heaven. And then I said, and, and, and then Jesus will come back and, and he's going to resurrect our bodies and, and the new heaven and the new earth are going to come into one. And, and she was like, good, until it got to that point. She's like, wait, 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 what? Heaven's going to come to our new body? And she asked me more questions, and I said, I'll let you know when I figure it out. It won't be today, but that's what Paul is speaking to here in chapter 15. It's a mystery, and yet it brings us so much hope. Here's the deal. When we share our story, it's not about filling church seats. It's about filling heaven. When we share our stories, we get to show off what God has done for us and allow other people to have that same experience that you and I have had with the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it ends at death. And that's what Paul finishes chapter 15. So I'm going back to chapter 15, and then um, I'll skip over to chapter 16. In verse 54, Paul writes, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, so when our bodies are, have been resurrected with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is is the gospel of hope. Anyone out there? That is the gospel that we need to uh, say that it's, death is not final. There is more to life. Verse 58, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've shared my story or I've given somebody hope or, or the gospel message and I feel like, well, it's just it, nothing happened. Well, let's hold on to this promise in verse 58. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Anytime that we get to share our story, a little seed is planted. We're not in charge of the growth. God is, but we are called to sow that seed everywhere we go, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our friend groups, workplaces, in schools. Share your resurrection story. The second point is care for the needs of others. We are called to care for the needs of others. Paul closes chapter, this entire book with chapter 16, and he's talking about financially caring for another church. Check it out. Verse 1 says, now, 
about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approved and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Paul is speaking to the Jerusalem church needing the financial gifts from this other church in the city of Corinth. What does that mean? It means that we are called to care for one another by meeting each other's needs. This is Mission Sunday, and I love, maybe more than anything, with all of our ministry partners, that yes, we give financially to them, but more so that we have relationships with these leaders of these organizations and churches. They're not just this transactional, hey, you do that, and then you go, you go, just just, just you go. No, it's, it's, it's a relationship of care. I'll never forget, uh, around 2017, someone came into our, our church building. I hadn't seen him before. I was greeting. I said, hi, good morning. And I heard a little accent, and I said, where are you from? And he said, Cuba. And I said, no way. I grew up in Miami, and so my Cuban rolls like this. It's totally different than Mexico. So in, in, in Mexican Spanish, you can say, hola, como estas? Me llamo Jose. In it, but in Cuban, hola, como estas? Me llamo Jose. It's totally like different speed, intensity. They don't believe in, in uh, uh, consonant, consonants. What are those? Not vowels, but those. Yeah. So it's just one wah, 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 wah. And so I was like, whoa, a little piece of home. He was a pastor of a church in Cuba, had been invited to our church from someone in our church body, Deborah Hartman. And so anyway, we struck up a relationship. We went over in 2017. I have a picture of Pastor Ricardo. This is in his church, Capillo, uh, Capilla Calvario, in his home. So new churches in Cuba could only start in people's homes in order to constrict growth of the gospel, that's really it, so that they wouldn't build uh, big places or, or inhabit large buildings. And so this is literally the first floor of their house. There's one more picture that's the outside of the house. Right next door, by the way, is someone that uh, sells animals uh, for sacrifice because witchcraft is huge, but that's another message for another day. So uh, it was a very fun place to visit. Well, he showed me this next place and that place is a uh, huge, building on the main street of that neighborhood in Habana, Cuba. And he said, this is my dream, that, that this is, um, you know, this will be the church. And I said, well, doesn't that have to be your home? He goes, it would be a nice home too. So it was going to be a church, and uh, they were going to make a home. And uh, there you see Hector Herrera in the, in the uh, shirt. I think he's out there somewhere. Anyway, Hector was with me, and there's Ricardo. Well, here's my point. Through the financial care and gifts of this church body, check out what happened. We weren't the only ones, but a few churches came together in people and blessed them to purchase this building, which they cannot do in a communist country. Again, that's another message for another day. But you have this beautiful building there in the middle of this neighborhood proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ because you care. The next video is uh, the saints in Cuba rejoicing oh, in, their new, um, in their new building. I don't have WhatsApp. It's this, well, I do have it, but I don't have the notifications turned on. Anyway, serendipitously or not, uh, Ricardo sent me a, a text last week that I just saw yesterday. And he needed some funds because they've converted the church into a pantry to serve food 
for the people in that neighborhood. And I said, well, it's Mission Sunday. I think we'll have enough to send uh, your way. Wink, wink. So uh, Mission Sunday, we get to support people like Ricardo and organizations like EMA all over the world. And it's not just a financial gift. It's a gift that cares. Verse five, Paul goes on, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. For I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Did you catch that? He wants to spend some time with them. He doesn't just want to do a flyby. He doesn't just want to do his apostle duties of checking in or as as an evangelist or church planner, just make sure that all the ducks in the row and said peace and he's out. No, he wants to spend time because he cares. He cares for these people. And then he says, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. Paul's model of how to be on mission is so challenging because it's both. Let's look for those open doors and let's continue this work that God's given me. And also let's just rest and sit and be with one another as we hang out. It's so cool. So that's what we're called to do. We're called to care for one another. And here's the thing. There is an enemy that wants you and me to not be a part any of this. When we sign off emails, you and I normally say best or regards or farewell, maybe not anymore, but you know, take care, those kind of things. This is how Paul signs off his letter. Verse 13, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. He knows that we need to be aware because there is an enemy that is prowling around like a lion, verse five, or verse eight and nine of 1 Peter 5. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. There's gonna be suffering in this world. We know that. And the enemy wants to distract us with all sorts of things so that we don't care, so that we don't participate in the word of God uh, and in communion with one another, so that we don't share our story. So we need to be aware of the ah position and stay on mission. Here's one thing that tends to distract us, and it's those that we hang around with. Students, if you're in college or high school or junior high, your friends matter more than you know. And mom and dad say, hey, I want you to go to youth group. Your friends may not be there, but it's because they want good influences around. And if you take part in the awesome work that God has for you, you will then, to, you will then create that community around you as you guys live your junior high and high school days together. Uh, verse 31 of uh, chapter 15, I'm going back again. Paul says, I faith." I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes. Talk about opposition. What have I gained? If the dead are not raised, well, let us 
eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's the argument of the world. We'll just live today. What was the old saying? YOLO, you only live once. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. There are some who are ignorant of God. My friends were called to be on mission and being aware of the opposition. And then finally, we need to be united on mission in prayer. Because prayer reminds us to look up. Let's see what he, how he closes the chapter. Verse 19 of chapter 16. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the ch- church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss. Nothing shows care like a holy kiss, says not the American church, but basically every church in uh, uh, the world. In fact, if you don't kiss twice in Spain, it'll, it'll be like rude. Isn't that interesting? Mexico, same thing. Cuba, here, fist bumps, handshakes, and side hugs. Leave room for Jesus. Verse 21, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. This is a personal note of Paul. Verse 22, if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Where's the prayer? Jose, I didn't hear, I didn't see a prayer. Well, it's easy to miss because it's only two words. It's those words, come, Lord. And I love that this is at the end of this really robust, theologically full book of the Bible. And yet he's ending with such a simple yet profound truth. In this world, yes, we will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, says Jesus, and we get to pray, come Lord. If anyone does not love the Lord, what does that mean? Let that person be cursed. It just means that there are people that are not going to say yes when you share your story. It means that when even when you're aware of the enemy, it means that things are gonna come against you. And even when you care unconditionally, truly care for people, you won't receive love in return. That's why we pray, come Lord, it means that we're done. All of our efforts are done. 